want you to do for just a few moments is I want you to envision Jesus. However you envision him. However you picture him. You got to close your eyes. Do that. And then what I want you to do is to realize that his presence, the power of the Holy Spirit, God himself sits with us. We continue week after week to ask for God to fall on this place. And now I want you to envision that he's walking amongst us. That he's blessing us. That he's desiring to heal people. That he's wanting to communicate to you. He's wanting to sit with you in your living room. He's wanting for you to truly take it to the next level when you say Jesus and Jabba. But here's what I'm convinced about. That he is. That he's walking. That he's talking. He's revealing. He's stirring. But some of you. You don't hear a sound. His presence is all around you. You can't see it. So this morning, let me ask you, how many of you are tired of sleepy, drowsy, groggy, groggy? Yeah, I said again. How many of you are tired of sleepy, drowsy, groggy Christianity? You see, I believe that today is the day that God has set aside for Hope Valley to go after the annihilation of sleepy, drowsy, groggy Christianity. Because we are in a pursuit of waking up this morning. Somebody needs to say, I'm with you today. So stand together as we read our base Scripture for the day, we got several passages today, but to start us off, I want us to see Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. I want you to, to read it as if you are standing in the mighty presence of God himself. I want you to read it like you're trying to get your quiet time done real fast. But you read it like you know that you are opening the anointed word of God and corporately reading it together. Read it with me. Lord. Amen. You may be seated. You see, Habakkuk simply prayed for revival. He knew how God once had worked and how his people once had responded, and Habakkuk wanted to see that again. Is there anyone, is there anyone today that truly wants to experience that again? You see, the prayer of a Habakkuk shows us that revival is a work of God, not the achievement of man. If something happened with the overflow room, let's open those doors and put those seats right there in the lobby. All right? Hopefully somebody heard that. Thank you. 
So there is, there is something that, that man can and must do for revival. And that is simply to cry out to God and to plead for His reviving work. Amen? And that needs to be the prayer of our heart. Do you hear me this morning? Why are so many people distracted? We've got to tune into the fact that, that we have so many hearts that are sleepy, drowsy, and groggy. And today, that needs to be our prayer. So if you're spiritually sleepy today, may that be your prayer. Because we desperately need to be awakened to God's presence. Come on, church. And so what we are seeing happening today in Christian society is a slow, sleepy, slippery slope. A slow, sleepy, slippery slope. We're seeing followers of Christ that are slowly but surely moving away from a deeper commitment to Jesus Christ. And the slippery slope begins of making justifications for why we don't read the Word of God. Why we don't make time to communicate with Him through prayer. The things that used to fire us up now cause you to yawn. The Christian begins to get a little sleepy. And soon what we have all across America and all across this world is sleepy, drowsy, groggy Christianity. We need to be very concerned today for the deep sleep that is falling upon the church today. So how do you know if you're spiritually sleeping? What does that mean, Ryan? No slides. I can send it to you later. But the, I believe there's seven signs, and there's a lot more, but seven signs that you are in a spiritual coma. The first, all talk and no walk. Those spiritually asleep talk about Jesus, but they're not genuinely experiencing him. He's distant, and he's unreal in their everyday life. He's someone they talk about more than they talk with. They talk about him, but they don't walk with him. So they're all talk and no walk. Another sign that you might be in spiritual coma is that the church is your Christ. Those spiritually asleep live a life all about church. Instead of Jesus Christ, church defines our faith experience instead of Christ himself. Another sign that you might be in a spiritual coma is that you're faking it to make it. Those that are spiritually asleep, they live for an outside facade instead of an inside reality. They do and they say all the right things. They avoid all the wrong things, but it's not real, it's not alive in them, and then it becomes legalism. It's something they do, but not necessarily something that they are. 
They are more concerned with the image of man instead of the image of Christ. The fourth sign that you might be in a spiritual coma is that you continue to reiterate with your life, my will be done. Those spiritually asleep are more concerned about the role God is playing in their plans rather than the role they should be playing in His plans. Those spiritually asleep saying, my will be done, are living for an audience of one that is not Jesus. It's themselves. Another sign that you're in a spiritual coma is... Your life continues to scream and holler, give me some spiritual Novocaine. Those spiritually asleep rarely consider the eternal condition of the people of this world. They're able to rub shoulders with lost people daily without ever acknowledging that they're dying spiritually and going to hell. And never desire to address their spiritual condition. These people live ashamed of the gospel. The sixth sign that you may be in a spiritual coma. Is you are an invisible Christian. Those spiritually asleep are living spiritually unnoticed. The people around them don't know that they are a Christ follower. The people driving beside them on the highway don't know that they are a Christ follower. The people that see them when they get frustrated in the grocery store or out in public or at work, they don't know that they are a Christ follower. They don't notice anything different about them because there's nothing to notice. And the seventh sign that you might be in a spiritual coma is that you'd be digging that sleep mask. Those spiritually asleep don't feel like they have a problem with being asleep in the midst of a bright light. One of the most dangerous places to be, to think that your unforgiveness is okay. To think that your bitterness is okay. To think that your grudge holding is okay. To think that you can label the sins that are not okay, that you don't do, but there's a long list of things you keep doing that you don't see that are a sin. Continuing to walk around our community, surf the web, post on social media, and reveal that you are diving off of the big honking plank hanging out of your own eye. These people are not aware of the danger of becoming less passionate spiritually. They're fading away from the light. The light of Jesus. Further into the darkness. And they don't even realize it. So my question today. Is that you? Look. There's one thing that never changes. And that's going to be who I am. I will sit in your living room if you allow me to and communicate the same way. But at the same time, if you were to look at me and say, shut up and listen to me. Better do it respectfully. 
I am one of those people. Would you hear my heart? I would gladly hear your heart. And I would gladly actively listen to you. And then walk beside you. Recommend a brother of Christ that is going to walk with you. And so don't stray away from it today if that's you. Because if that's you, you are in. And I want you to hear me as someone that does deeply care about your soul. I care so much more about you taking next steps in your life instead of staying stuck and just telling you what you want to hear. And that is this, is that some of you, maybe many of you, are experiencing the spirit of slumber. We are headed towards the end days. And the church needs to be broken. We need revival. And so therefore, as we discussed a couple weeks ago, we need urgently to embrace 2 Chronicles 7.14. We corporately and desperately need this to be the ache and the cry of our hearts. I'm going to read it again, 2 Chronicles 7.14, and I want you to hear it like you've never heard it before. And may today be the day that the Holy Spirit will manifest Himself in you and through you in such a way that this becomes a reality. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, and only then, will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Listen, times are going to continue to get more and more difficult. The church ain't seen nothing yet. But I want Satan and his minions to see something they ain't never seen yet. So times are going to continue to get more and more difficult. But they can be a catalyst to spiritually seeing things that we've never encountered yet in our entire lives. And so, if my people, which are called by my name, he will do four things. He provides us with the four conditions of revival. If we will humble ourselves... If we will pray like we've never prayed before, not making it about our first world problems. How many times this week did we just jump into it? I'm praying. Look, I wrote in my journal. I prayed today. Powerful. But it was all about going immediately to the things you wanted to see God do instead of saying, your will be done no matter how difficult it is. Pray. Seek his face. And turn from our wicked ways. If we do this. Then. We're going to be in a good place to experience another great awakening. What God will do with this lost world. He says that he will hear from heaven. He says he will forgive our sins. And he will heal our land. 
But before we go on, I think there's people that, that misunderstand the difference between revival and awakening. And I want you to hear today that revival is a crisis of the church. It is for the believer, the follower of Jesus, to wake from their spiritual slumber and turn back to God. That's revival. When you hear me crying out, sowing towards and believing for revival, that's what we're communicating. An awakening, another great spiritual awakening that hasn't happened since late 60s into the mid-70s, happens, I believe, as a result of revival. Awakening is for the spiritually dead to come alive. Revival is for the spiritually asleep, what we're talking about today, to wake up. But awakening is for those dead in their sin to come alive in Christ. It is for the lost to come to know Jesus. And I believe awakening, once again, is not going to happen without revival. I believe you can't have one without the other. So we need both. We are in need of a crisis of faith. In this room today, we need some people to experience the crisis of their faith. And we need a spiritual awakening in this country. And I want you to know, I rejoice like nobody's business. I rejoice this morning that we are seeing pockets of His greatness pouring over us. And I want to challenge you. Thank you for telling me all about it. I'm getting reports every single day. I'm getting texts, voice messages, emails, one-on-ones, people showing up, waving at the camera. Are you up there? But I want to challenge you to start telling the rest of the staff and the elders also. Would you, would you, would you take your time to not only communicate it with me, but tell them as well? Tell them of all the victorious things that are happening in your life. Because we have story after story of people experiencing God's power and His presence. And it's been so encouraging. It's been disheartening for those that continue to slumber. But as great as we think, as we think things are happening. As great as we think things are happening around the life of Hope Valley. We're just scratching the surface. Of all that the Lord wants to do. So we can't stop sowing towards revival. We need revival. So what does revival look like? Second Chronicles chapter 20 verse 29 says the fear of God. I could stop right there. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms. When they heard how the Lord had fought. Against the enemies of Israel. All in favor of the fear of God coming upon this nation, say amen. amen. All in favor of the fear of God coming upon all the nations, say amen. amen. All in favor of the fear of God coming upon all the kingdoms within all the nations, the kingdom of your home, the kingdom of this government, the kingdom of education, the kingdom of entertainment, the kingdom of media, and the kingdom of art. All in favor of all of that, say amen.
That's what revival is going to look like. Biblical revival usually appeared when it was needed most. At a community's most critical moment to advance the purposes of God. What if this is our most critical moment? What if in 2022 leading into 2023 and all that we've experienced over the last couple of years is God's way of using what was meant for evil for good? What if this particular good is meant to awaken the church and move the gospel in ways that we've never seen? At this particular time, hmm, come on, church. What if? What if God wants to display his healing power in the middle of a wide sweeping illness? What if God wants to display his reconciling power in the middle of wide sweeping division? What if God wants to display his loving leadership in the middle of wide sweeping political unrest? And what if? What if God wants to display his people burning with passion in the middle of wide sweeping chaos? What if? What if we are being asked to be a small bonfire in the middle of our community so that every friend, every neighbor, every coworker is provoked by the Holy Spirit and not provoked by the culture? So that every Democrat, Republican, and Independent is convicted of the kingdom, not a kingdom? So that every racist, feminist, and chauvinist is dumbfounded by the authentic unity, not the artificial unity. And let us not forget the revival that God wants to do in us as well. So, who thinks it's time for us to engage in revival breakthrough? Who's with me? So I'm going to give you four steps that are just getting us cranking. Just going to get us started. Just going to get us revved up. Just going to get you looking in the mirror, worshiping the Lord, and you get a little uh in you. You get a little yes in you. You get a little step up in your living room. It's just going to scratch the surface. Because when we get back from the pavilion, we're starting a series simply called Breakthrough. And we are going to, oh, the Lord is going to set us aside as a church in an extraordinary way. Some people aren't going to like it. Oh well. Revelation chapter 2 verses 4 through 5 says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. 
So as a result of this, there's four steps that need to happen. In order for you as an individual and us as a church to experience revival breakthrough. First thing, revival breakthrough happens when we start paying attention. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Revival is the renewal of the first love of the Christian. This results in an agony over our sin. So you simply step back right now. And you answer the question if you are asleep or not. Look, it's okay. You come up to me groggy and drowsy. I'm not going to wake you up like that. I'm going to lay a hand on you. And I'm going to listen to you. And then I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit wreaks havoc on your rear end. But here's the first way that you know that if you're sleeping, is that you don't have agony over your sin. Revival means deep, genuine conviction of sin. Revival happens when there's an ache in our hearts to search if there's any wicked way in us. Revival is nothing less than a new beginning of obedience to God. And a revival can only happen when the church realizes that they have abandoned the love that they had at first. Love is the first significant ingredient that must be used in prepping for revival. Without the desire for God's love, a Christian will never see revival. For a Christian to love again. Lord, I want to love again. First, you have to be the one to return back to him. And that happens when the Christian pays attention. It's a renewal of love. So some real talk this morning. Somebody say real talk. Be honest with yourself today. Have you lost your first love? And the second step that we see for revival breakthrough, it happens when we remember. It says, consider how far you have fallen. Recall the former state of zeal that you once had. Remember how passionate you used to be for the things of the Lord. Remember how the love of God would fill you with happiness and you didn't need anything about this world or this society to bring you happiness. Few things can cure a backsliding Christian than to remember their former condition in Christ. Some of you have hit such a spiritual bottom that you need to begin to realize how far you've fallen today. You can only recognize how far you've fallen if you're paying attention. So some more real talk. Let me hear the teenagers say real talk. Let me hear teenagers that are not ashamed of the gospel to raise their voice. And then let me hear you say real talk. Let's go. You know how we roll up in here? So the real talk. Is to answer that question. How far have I fallen? How far asleep have I gotten? Ask God to help you pay attention. Look. In a room this size. I know that I'm. Number one I'm looking at some spiritually asleep folks. 
I love you just the same as per the person that's going to ride down the road hooting and hollering with me. Which I would love, by the way. Just come up, wave at the camera. I'll come down from my office and say, I just want 10 minutes to ride down the road, listen to worship music, and let's put the windows down, and let's stop at every stoplight. Let's go through drive throughs Let's go through parking lots, and let's just yell the name of Jesus. Test me. I can't wait. You might want to text me first, because if you come, you wait, you're just going to be on camera for a while. Make sure I'm here. The third step to revival breakthrough. Unfortunately, it's a word that we hear so often, kind of like love and pizza. Revival breakthrough happens when you repent. You express sorrow over your sin. Second part of verse 5 says, Repent. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Mordecai Ham. Anybody ever heard of that name? The evangelist who came to Christ under the preaching of Billy Graham. And he said this about revivals. He said, One of our troubles is that we are not willing to humble ourselves. We're not willing to give up our opinions as to how things should be done. You see, once you pay attention and you remember how far away from the Lord you have gotten, a true Christian will repent. It's just natural. It's a natural process of being alive in Christ. It means you've got something living in you even though you were boogering it all up. And it's the Holy Spirit. So if you start tuning in, paying attention... And you start acknowledging, man, I am I'm messed up. One sure sign today, if you're a follower of Jesus, and I want you to hear me. I would already be at the altar. No, man, there's so many people. There's, there's people out in the overflow. Overflow, thank you. You're a rock star. Thank you for being there. If you can't hear me, then you're just seeing me do all this. Thank you. There's too many people. I grew up in this denomination. We didn't move. It's already loud and weird in here. I want to ask you an honest question. And we don't live in fear. We only fear one, and his name is Jesus. We fear God. If the Lord is so stirring in your heart, and convicting you and revealing to you your great need of Jesus, how are you going to wait? Who do you think you are I'm a good driver. I ain't going to get in an accident. I know what I'm allergic to. I'm going to go up in there, and I'm not going to eat anything going to make me sick. I'm not trying to scare you. But I would rather scare somebody into heaven than soft talk them into hell. And so, if you haven't repented of your sins and turned to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, man... 
I want to have a conversation with you. I will not fight the other people that want to have a conversation with you. But you raise your hand right now. Hold on. Wait a minute. If you are willing, you bold enough in your faith, you feel like you're in a place of spiritual maturity that you can help lead someone to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise it up high. You know how to walk somebody through the gospel and help make sure they're not just saying a prayer, but they are surrendering their life to Jesus. Now, I want you to raise your hand high. Now, if you can, put your other one up. Now, wave it like you just don't care. All right, keep them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Now, the rest of you, I want you to take notice of these hands. There's no judgment for those of you not raising your hands. Stop it. I'm so embarrassed. Why am I not willing to lead somebody to Jesus? Get over yourself. That's your first problem. All right. All right, look around. So, put them down. So, for those of you that don't know Jesus, and you choose to leave here today without making that right, and I've already made eye contact with about six of you that I know without a doubt you need Jesus. I love you. I'm praying for you. We're here for you. And you got a whole bunch of people that just raise their hands for you to go to. Men, you go to men. Ladies, you go to ladies. And say, I'm scared of Ryan. Will you help me? Okay? The final step. The final step for revival breakthrough happens when we profess. It says, and do the things you did at first. We need to profess our allegiance to Jesus once again. We need to affirm that we belong to Jesus. We need to do the works that we did at first. If we take the warning to express sorrow seriously, Jesus, He is not going to take our influence away. The joy of our salvation will return, and we will show that to others. There was a man that once came to Gypsy Smith. He was a celebrated English evangelist. And they asked him, after he had led revival after revival, just scores of people constantly coming to this church. And they walked downstairs. Nothing's happening. Looked like an abandoned church. And he walked downstairs. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. You heard this story? Anybody heard this story? He gets down there, there's hundreds of people on their knees. He said, that's, that's where revival starts. And then he said, I'll, go, I'll take it a little bit further. He said, I want to challenge you to go to your special place of prayer. Take a piece of chalk. I want you to kneel down. And with that chalk, I want you to write or draw a complete circle around yourself. And pray for God to send revival on everything that's inside that circle. And you don't leave that circle until revival comes. So as the band comes forward. Y'all, if we do these things. It is only then that God will hear us from heaven, forgive our sin, and heal our land. Every single one of you has a role in that. And that's when we will experience revival breakthrough. But first and foremost, Holy Spirit, give me these last words. 
Help me to have the exact clothes that you desire. It's not about the closing words. It's not about the music. It's about the presence of a mighty God in this place. Holy Spirit, would you move right now? Continue to sit, stir. For those that may have been in a spiritual coma, a spirit of slumber, would you help them to deny themselves in this moment? To begin coming, coming to this altar, even now, and to commit to you with an aching, broken heart. Anything that it is that you have revealed to them as they've truly paid attention and acknowledged their wicked way, that they would do the next right thing, and that is to not leave this place without making it right. Surrendering that to you, laying that at the foot of the cross, acknowledging that they, in this moment, can, can be awakened with bright eyes to be able to see the light once again, to not walk in darkness any longer, but to acknowledge the power that is within the ability to live from a place of victory. So help that Christian that is just slumbering and this morning, for those that are lost, that don't know Jesus, would you give them a holy boldness right now in this moment to not be ashamed, to not worry about what anybody thinks, but to acknowledge in this moment that they, they can no longer... Walk away from you. They can no longer reject you. They can no longer stick their hand in your face. But to embrace the fact that you have something extraordinary that you want to do in and through their life. Help them to see their need for a Savior. And to understand the gospel clearly. To make it simple for them. Where we lay these people before you. We know the altar's open. The altar is everywhere you are. It's not about the stage. It's about connecting with your presence. So, God, we ask that you would help us in this moment to experience you, to experience the fullness of you as you reveal yourself to us. And it's in your name that we continue to worship today. As we stand. Amen. As we continue to worship. And we believe. In revival. And we do all that we can as a body. To do our part. To see. To make sure. That we've done everything that we can. To make sure it happens. One of the things that we've got to continue to embrace 
is the work that's happening in our student ministry. And so what I want to ask is that anyone, now student ministry goes through about 18. I'm going to ask that anyone that's 21 and below either move out into the center aisle or come up here and just, just kneel. You don't have to say a word. But what we've learned, both Josiah and I, and I know some of you study revivals of old. And all of the greatest revivals that are recorded in church history were led. They were led, older folks, by the young people. And so let's make sure in this, this last bit of this song that we sing, you can either stay where you're at and reach your hand forward, or just make sure, if you can, that you touch the shoulder. Men, touch the shoulder of other young men. Ladies, you touch the shoulder of other young ladies. And pray. The breath of the Holy Spirit to fill them from head to toe. To not be consumed any longer with what is popular in this world. But to be in this place where they ache for the things of Jesus. And that they aren't, they aren't consumed any longer with the image that this society says is important. But they step in to the fact that they already have an image and it's the image of Jesus